Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Welcome to Think Humanities. There is a lot of conversation about Appalachia. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's a new book, a recent study, a national headline about events and stories going on in this vast region we call Appalachia. But those conversations aren't necessarily new to all. Many have studied the region for decades, scholars, writers, scientists, physicians, environmentalists, and many, many more have used Appalachia as their backyard test tube for generations. In March, Appalachia comes to Kentucky in the form of the 43rd Annual Appalachian Studies Conference. For the first time ever, the conference is being held at the University of Kentucky. Here to talk about it is the Associate Professor of History at the University and Conference Chair, Catherine Newfont. Uh, Kathy, thanks for being here. And just tell me, first of all, how did all of this come together here in Lexington? Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yes, we're really excited to bring the conference, the Appalachian Studies Association Conference, to Lexington and to the University of Kentucky for the first time ever. Uh, people at UK have been involved with ASA from the beginning. It's in its 43rd year, as you mentioned, and there have always been um, active participants coming off the faculty and often the student body as well from UK. Um, and had been in the leadership before, but it, the conference has never come to the university. And uh, several years ago, representatives from ASA asked the uh, people at the Appalachian Center here at UK whether we would be interested in hosting. And that started a series of conversations. And there was a lot of enthusiasm among the faculty. And we were really grateful for administrative support from the College of Arts and Sciences. And so the Appalachian Center and uh, GARC, our graduate Appalachian research community, and the College of Arts and Sciences have been major sponsors of this event. And we're excited that it's coming. So when we talk about Appalachia, let's just uh, lay a little bit of groundwork uh, as far as background. I'm, I think sometimes people in Kentucky, uh, in other parts of Kentucky, in South Central Kentucky or Western Kentucky, uh, don't really uh, consider much beyond Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia. I mean, they might think uh, West Virginia, Tennessee, mm-hmm. but there are what? F- how many states are, are are considered in the in the Appalachian region? Well, there are multiple definitions of Appalachia, and it depends on how you want to define the region. And this is the subject of a good deal of debate mm-hmm. and discussion and scholarship. Um, but uh, typically, the region is defined not only as eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, and eastern Tennessee, as you mentioned, but also uh, coming through southwestern Virginia down into western North Carolina, uh, north Georgia, a little bit of South Carolina over into Alabama, um, and then uh, coming back up and, and going north beyond mm-hmm. West Virginia as well into uh, Pennsylvania. And then there are the Appalachian migrants who have also taken the... So that, that's where the mountains are. Mm-hmm. And, and beyond that, of course, all the way up into Nova Scotia where the, the, where the chain ends. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about a geological chain mm-hmm. of mountains, that's, which is one definition of the region. Um, but uh, there are also, culturally speaking, there are also Appalachian migrants in cities such as 
Cincinnati and Detroit um, and lots of surrounding cities. Lexington is a great example as well, Louisville. Um, lots of uh, migrants from the region who have maintained their cultural traditions and their ties to the region. And uh, that's another way of thinking about, a more expansive way of thinking about the region. Now, the conference 43 years old, mm-hmm. so a lot of people have been concentrating on this for, for many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, decades. But um, it seems like to me, and maybe I'm just, uh, it's just me, that there seems to be more concentration on the Appalachian region, whether they're problems or business startups or young people moving from urban areas to rural areas in, in Appalachia. Is it, do you think there's more conversation about Appalachia today? I definitely think in recent years there's been more conversation than previously. Um, partly that had to do with the region's pivotal role in the presidential election. Uh, and partly it has to do, particularly here in Kentucky and other uh, coal-bearing parts of Appalachia, has to do with the navigation toward a post-coal economy. So for both of those reasons, uh, Appalachia has been much in the public mind. And of course, there's the opioid ed- epidemic, which is ravishing many rural and mm-hmm. urban areas. Um, and Appalachia is, of course, not immune from that either. Well, some, uh, if not all of these topics, and I know you have many and we're going to talk about those, will they be touched on uh, in some way during the conference? Oh, yes. I like to think of the conference as a kind of a feast where people who are coming from a lot of different backgrounds and share an interest in the region and the people of the Appalachians can come and explore their own interests and also be exposed to the many, many interests of other people. That's one of the beautiful things about it. So yes, we have multiple things that we're emphasizing in this conference, and um, it's always a great cornucopia of riches. The theme of the conference, Appalachian understories, growing hope and resilience from Commonwealth to global commons. Talk about that. That's um, that's a scholarly um, theme or title, but I think it's uh, in in the scholarly work that you find in just a few uh, words here, there's a lot to unpack there. So, so let's do that. Uh, Appalachian understories. That, who coined that? Is that is that a common phrase? Oh no, we we came up with that, and uh, we have the the hashtag hashtag Appalachian understories is one of our social media outlets uh-huh. uh, that we're encouraging people to use as the conference approaches. Um, Yes, Appalachian Understories is a concept that our team came up with, our program committee, and we did it because we definitely wanted to focus on the forests of the Appalachians. Um, here in Kentucky, we the eastern Kentucky is part of the mixed mesophytic forest, which is one of the richest temperate forests on earth. Uh, and so across the central and southern Appalachians, are these astonishingly rich forests that people don't understand are surpassed in their biological diversity only by the tropical rainforests of the world, such as the Amazon and so on. But but where there's frost, you cannot find more biological diversity in a forest than we have in our local mixed mesophytic forest. This has also been an important cultural resource for Appalachian people throughout the time. There have been Appalachian people, so for over 10,000 years, and um, they 
uh, have used the forest in a variety of ways for livelihood, for recreation, for, uh, to enjoy its beauty, of course, and uh, to visit with one another and also all the other residents of the forest, the more than human residents of the forest. The, the, the example that, uh, that you might give us is the Robinson Forest uh, that, that is, uh, tell us about that and, and uh, uh, the, the trip that some uh, have never seen uh, will take uh, during the conference. Yes, that's right. We have, UK owns the Robinson Forest and it's a kind of a learning lab for the university. Um, we have we do offer a field trip as part of the conference to the forest, and our um, one of our faculty members, Chris Barton, who's in the College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment, and uh, works in forestry there, is leading that, and we'll be introducing people to the forest. So that's one thing we're trying to do is to get people actually out into the forest, and we also have a whole host of other. Uh, ways to introduce people to the forest. We're doing some walking tours on campus, for instance, uh, highlighting Appalachian species that are here in Lexington. Um, and as far as the conference theme of understories goes, we drew that from the forest. Well, for one thing, the Appalachian Studies Association has never had a conference that focused on the forest before. So this is the first, and we're excited about that. Um, and the concept of understories is one that we take from forest ecology. Uh, people who know something about forests may be familiar with the concept of the canopy, the uh, tree canopy, that's the tops of the trees. And we, when we envision a forest, we often, if we envision it from the air, for instance, we envision this sea of green or in the fall, uh, multicolored leaves uh, flowing out below. But a lot of the life of the forest is not, and that's, that's also known as the overstory. And a lot of the life of the forest mm -hmm. is not in the overstory, it's in the understories. Mm -hmm. And the understories um, include uh, smaller trees that don't reach as high as the canopy in this area. Things like dogwoods, for instance, are not as tall as maybe some of our uh, amazing tall oaks and maples and so on. Um, and then, uh, so that there are the smaller trees that are in the forest, and there's also, uh, depending on how one defines an understory, it can include everything below the canopy, down into the soil layer and into the uh, insects and so on. There's a great deal of life in the understories, but people don't always see that and they don't recognize that. In fact, there's more life in the understories than anywhere else in the forest. And so we wanted to focus uh, on the forest and we took our understories concept from that, but we also wanted to focus on a lot of other Appalachian stories that are too often overlooked and uh, people don't see when they think about just the outer mm -hmm. layer. Mm -hmm. So in uh, poetry or music, and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about some of these areas, but in poetry and music, um, uh, the, the papers that are presented will, will, ha will, will follow the theme, I'm sure, and will explore what you find uh, under the canopy, uh, if you will. Yes, many of them will. Um, and they have different ways of, of engaging with the theme. The Appalachian understories is one way. And you mentioned poetry, and we're really delighted that in our opening ceremonies, Shauna Morgan, a wonderful Af Appalachian poet who is who will be part of the opening ceremonies, she has a poem entitled Understories mm -hmm. that is so beautiful, and it uh, speaks not only to our Black Appalachian emphasis and our forest emphasis, but also to our global emphasis because she draws 
connections between the Caribbean and uh, the Appalachians. So that's uh, one expression of understories that we're excited about. And the, the conference participants also can um, connect to the other pieces of the theme. Uh, we've called it growing hope and resilience from Commonwealth to global commons. Mm -hmm. Obviously the Commonwealth, just anything Kentucky can, mm -hmm. uh, can be part of that theme. Mm -hmm. uh, the global commons refers to uh, two concepts, both the ways that mountain regions are interconnected and the way the Appalachian region is connected to so many parts of the world. And also the idea of uh, commons is um, one of the ones that we're that's more complicated, we can talk about that maybe later. Mm -hmm. And then the growing hope and resilience pieces, of course, a lot of our focus on health and healing and so on is uh, related to that piece of the theme. So in uh, growing hope and resilience, how are you addressing that? Or what, what are the methods by which uh, you will um, dig deeper into, into hope and resilience? Yes, well, one is, um, some of the emphases that we have in the conference, including the forest emphasis, including the Black Appalachians emphasis, uh, including our emphasis on health and healing, all of these are uh, places where people have uh, continued to have hope and resilience in the face of real obstacles. The forests, for instance, are, which is the subject of my own research, um, are have been cut over, almost all of them, uh, over the past century and a half. Um, and uh, they are all kinds of diseases that are plaguing our forests today. And yet they are also these places of incredible beauty and resilience. And uh, we now are learning more about how uh, nature supports our human health. And so forests are an important part of that, of course. The um, Robinson Forest uh, is made up of uh, over 14,000 acres. Is that correct? How many other uh, opportunities or uh, pockets of forest, uh, old growth forests like that, are are there remaining in in Appalachia? J just a rough estimate. I mean, do we find that in other areas of of Appalachia? Old growth forest is both, on the one hand, rare, and also. Um, occurs more frequently than we once understood. Uh, here in Kentucky, we're very fortunate to have Blanton Forest, for instance, which is one of the largest old growth forests in the nation. I believe it's the 13th largest in the nation, certainly one of the largest in the Appalachian mm -hmm. region. And um, there are so extensive old growth, such as we ha are fortunate to have in Blanton, is unusual. Um, there are some other examples, Joyce Kilmer, for instance, in North Carolina, and there are some sections of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the Albright Grove in Tennessee that are old growth. But, um, but there are also much smaller patches that are scattered throughout the mountains, and uh, there's been some effort to try and document those, and that has been heartening because the, there's more small patches of old growth out there than we once understood. What will the participants who are with Professor Barton um, see, learn, hear? What, what will their day be like? Well, he is a forester, and he'll be he'll be touring uh, Robinson Forest. We'll be talking about the efforts to restore forests. Um, uh, Chris Barton works with Green Forests Work, and they've done a lot of work to restore forests on uh, coal mine sites, for instance. And so they'll be looking at some 
sites where mining has taken place, and they'll be looking at some sites where uh, forest restoration has been taking place, and um, they'll get out into the woods a little bit. Um, is what they're doing and what, what the participants will see, uh, is it working? Is there reforestation uh, occurring on strip mine and uh, abandoned coal mine uh, areas? That's one of the places that I see as growing hope and resilience. Uh, yes, uh, we find that where uh, native forests regrow, that same biological diversity and that complexity of forests that we talked about earlier, where that is able to regrow, um, water quality is restored, uh, other species come. Yes, insects. Yes, some. Yes, once some of the key tree species begin to get hold again, then other species find that, and uh, and yes, so insects, uh, soil microbes, and so on are gradually restored. Uh, the other uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, highlighting black Appalachians. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, the, the, the history of, uh, of African-Americans in Appalachia or uh, in, in our Appalachia uh, particularly, and, uh, and how will you be highlighting uh, black Appalachians? Yes, one of the places where people are most badly informed on the Appalachian region is uh, that people tend to think of it as if it were a white region only, and that's false and has never been true. Um, there are a variety of reasons for that, but uh, it's important here at the University of Kentucky, we have a long history uh, here in Kentucky of pioneering scholarship on, um, on Black Appalachians. There, uh, Bill Turner and Ed Cable wrote the very first book on mm-hmm. Black Appalachians, and, um, and then Frank X. Walker, of course, termed the, coined the term Afrolatcha. Um, Spearheading our project on Black Appalachians, our Black Appalachian emphasis has been a graduate student in the history department, Jillian McCommons, who is herself becoming very quickly uh, one of the leading experts on Black Appalachians. And she has designed a plenary. One of the ways that we're focusing on Black Appalachian um, history and culture is uh, all of our focus themes have plenary sessions. And so the Black Appalachian Plenary Session, we're really excited about it. It focuses on the experiences of Black Appalachian women. And we have an all-star cast um, as part of that. Crystal Wilkinson, who's here at the University of Kentucky, the wonderful author. Uh, Carita Brown, who is a sociology out at UCLA, and recently wrote um, a study called Gone Home, in which it, uh, race and roots through Appalachia, in which she traces the history of the, co- of the community of Lynch, Kentucky, for instance, and uh, black, Appalachian Kentucky, uh, black Appalachian communities in eastern Kentucky. Uh, Jillian McCommons, whom I mentioned, is going to be moderating, and then Ashley Woodard, who works with uh, Highlander, is um, on that plenary as well. And finally, Kelly Navies, who's at the Smithsonian Institute uh, Museum of African American History and Culture, mm-hmm. uh, and who has uh, family connections to uh, the Appalachian region, including Kentucky. That uh, plenary is entitled uh, Black Appalachian Women, Testimonies, Environmental Justice, Health Disparities, and Historical Reparations. Yes. That's a lot in, in one session. Um, yes. Uh, in an hour and 15 minutes, I was just looking for the time here, but th- that, that is quite a lot. But, but I mean, those, those are all important uh, areas 
uh, to explore, whether you take them singularly or they're, they're all, all together. What, now, you don't know, obviously, you, you've helped plan this, uh, but um, it hasn't occurred yet, so you, you, you can't give me your observations. of it. What, do you, what do you hope out of just this one? What, what do you hope to uh, people that are attending will, will observe, will learn, will see, will hear? I'm not sure that there has ever been a plenary panel made up of black women at the Appalachian Studies Association conference before. So I think actually when people walk in the room and the entire plenary is black Appalachian Mm -hmm. women speaking, I think that um, makes a difference. That's a powerful statement right there. Mm -hmm. And then these women, as I said before, are each... Each one of them is a remarkable, powerful voice, and I think the I, I think it gives me chills actually to think about that plan yeah, because I think it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. They're going to be talking of their own experiences, and they're also will be talking with each other. I think it's going to be a beautiful expression mm-hmm. of. Um, Black Appalachian experience through these women's voices, mm-hmm. and I noticed too on the uh, one of the other days. Uh, the the the, uh, the following day on Saturday. And by the way, the the dates uh, on this are March twelfth through the fifteenth. It opens on a Thursday and closes on a Sunday. And people listening that might not be at the university or just out of interest, maybe they're writers or they, they want to uh, uh, to learn. Uh, how are how can how can the general public get involved or can they? There are some events that are open to the public, such as the opening ceremonies, uh, which we are grateful for the support of the Kentucky Humanities Council that's enabling us to do those opening ceremonies. Um, so that's a public event that is uh, anyone is welcome to join us for in the Gatton Student Center on Thursday afternoon. Um, then a lot of, the, but to, to fully participate in the conference, one would need to register for the conference and, um, you know, that mm-hmm. enables one to go to all the sessions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the registration directions are on the Appalachian Studies Association website. And I see uh, the, the one I was referring to on that Saturday. Uh, it's, it's titled Hope Spots, H-O-P-E, Hope Spots. Uh, tell us what you hope to come out of that. Yes, Hope Spots, we take that term from the oceanographer Sylvia Earle, who talked about how in the oceans, oceans too have Uh, suffered a great deal of environmental devastation and so on. Um, Sylvia Earle documented the fact that there are, even as pollution and um, species loss and so on present problems for our ocean's health, there are places where that health, if it can be maintained, can reseed can spread that health beyond. It's actually very much like old growth forests where mm-hmm. we, that's one of the things we have learned about old growth is that it can actually help seed and increase the health of surrounding forests uh, if we have, if we're able to protect those old growth spots. So similarly in the oceans, um, Sylvia Earle documented the ways that uh, these healthy places can be she called them hope spots because of the way they can then seed uh, health and healing beyond themselves to the broader region. So we're very interested in Appalachian versions of uh, hope spots, and we're we're very excited that uh, Courtney Lewis, uh, who has is a Cherokee scholar who has written a book recently on uh, Cherokee entrepreneurship called Sovereign Entrepreneurs. She's one of our 
important speakers on the Hope Spots plenary, and we're thrilled that she's coming to join us. She She's really looked at the way Cherokee entrepreneurs and small businesses have contributed to the health and well-being of Cherokee in spite of a long history, of course, of racial discrimination mm-hmm. and uh, issues there uh, on the Kuala Boundary in eastern North Carolina. Um, and we think there are a lot of lessons in her research and in the Cherokee examples for the broader Appalachian region as we move into a post-coal economy, the role of uh, small entrepreneurs, uh, that, which her research highlights, we think that there are great examples that we can take from the Cherokee research that she's done, and we hope that people coming to the conference will want to apply those in other places. We're also featuring some other some Kentucky examples of Hope Spots. Um, we haven't mentioned Apple Shop yet, but the Whitesburg Media Studio, which has been it's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, um, that is for a great example of a hope spot in our view in eastern Kentucky, something that's not only important and valuable in and of itself, but also serves uh, in a, a broader region. And they've done a lot of work with young media makers, for instance, and um, that's to us a wonderful example of a hope spot. And I was also going to mention uh, one of the other plenaries, uh, uh, health and healing, what's hurting us, and understories of recuperation. Uh, tell me what you hope to come out of that one. Yes, that one. Well, one, one thing, Bill, we have wonderful teams of people who are organizing this, and I'm the conference <laughs> chair, but I am not an expert on yeah. health and healing. So let's, I'm yeah. a historian, uh-huh. and we, that's that one is featuring some of our. Of course, uh, UK has an incredible uh, medical program, mm-hmm. set of medical programs, really, and um, in in rural uh, Kentucky. Yes, yeah. well, of course, yes, here at the Centered university, and then, yeah. uh-huh. and then also, and we we do a lot of work training uh, Eastern Kentucky students in the health sciences. So uh, that particular plenary features um, a number of speakers, including uh, Dr. Douglas Scutchfield, who has uh, retired from the public mm-hmm. history program i'm sorry public, public health, public health. I'm, uh-huh. I'm historian now yeah. he's the, the yeah. in public health and he's done such wonderful work uh, for so many years in kentucky in many many capacities absolutely yeah he's a real true um trooper in in this and still continues to to work every single day and and concentrate on what's best for for kentucky and and for appalachia yes he's a remarkable yeah. leader yeah. and um organizing that panel he's he's been assisting the organizing of that panel and the health and healing uh strand throughout the whole uh our our team point person on health and healing is leslie marie boer who uh, graduated from uk with a phd a couple of years ago and now is in Eastern Tennessee, and she has a book coming out in just a few months that I'm excited mm-hmm. about called RX Appalachia, and her work focuses on addiction and um, and how to uh, treat addiction, and so that those uh, understories of recuperation, uh, I I suspect that. Uh, Doug Scutchfield and, and especially Leslie Murray have probably come up with that term because of her work with um, with people who mm-hmm. have struggled with addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have um, Joy Lee Gritton is will be part of that panel. She's done a lot of work with indigenous health issues and working with art and young people in particular on uh, health and well-being. And then um, locally here in Lexington, uh, Weta Michelle, who hails from 
Eastern Kentucky. She has done a lot of work with uh, food, of course, and addiction, and she'll be joining that panel along with her sister, Paige Walker. So it's going to be another robust mm-hmm. and wonderful panel. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think that people will come away with uh, a lot of rich new perspectives on health and healing in the Appalachian region. And, and one of the other um, phrases or uh, explanations I picked up on in the, in the conference outline uh, understory telling, and I put telling in quotations, but understory telling methods. You mentioned uh, Apple Shop with, with uh, of course, filmmaking, and uh, but I also picked up on oral histories, uh, literature, music, photography, performance, and other art forms. So all of these, in some way, in in the three days, will be incorporated in in some fashion. I mean, you you, you do take a break. I think on uh, is it uh, one night to hear uh, the group. Um, I was so intrigued by their 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 name. What uh, tortilla? cornbread and tortillas? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And and so so t- tell us about them and and also some of these other uh, understory telling methods. Yes. Uh, so cornbread and tortillas is a good example, actually, of understory telling methods. Um, both an understory that's not often told, and and as well as a telling method. So this is a per- dynamic performance group, and they are. Um, they highlight, as the name suggests, uh, Appalachian and Latinx mm. traditions. And so it's cornbread and tortillas. That's their symbolic way of, mm-hmm. of getting at these two cultures. And of course, the Latinx population in the Appalachians has grown considerably. And there are also uh, interesting parallels in terms of uh, forests and mining and so on with uh, other parts of with Latin, Latin parts of the world. So uh, we're really excited about that program. And I have to tell you this, Phil, because mm-hmm. This, I find this very charming. After we hear and enjoy cornbread and tortillas, we go across the street to UK's Appalachian Center uh, where we will enjoy actual cornbread and actual tortillas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> wonderful, so, why not? Exactly, so I think that'll be a fun yeah. evening. And of course, the, the UK Appalachian Center is uh, the, the host really for this mm-hmm. whole conference. So that's the time that we're actually visiting that space, uh, inviting everyone over there yeah. for, for some food and fellowship. Uh, but under storytelling methods, besides dance and music, the things that the Cornbread and Tortillas team uses to highlight the resonances and connections among these cultures, um, Oral history, you mentioned, and that's uh, one near and dear to my heart as a historian. And um, I'm, I expect some of your listeners must know about the Louis V. Nunn Oral History mm-hmm. Center here at the University of Kentucky, which is internationally known and has an incredibly rich um, set of Appalachian interviews mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. its riches. So we're we're very excited about that and the um, the renowned oral historian Alessandro Portelli, who is Italian and has done um, research uh, over many decades in Kentucky. Mm. His book is called, um, they say, in Harlan County. Mm. And it's based on decades worth of oral histories that he did, as the name suggests, Mm -hmm. in Harlan County. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's coming and will be on the program. Um, And we'll have uh, a number of prominent oral historians who are who will be here. Kelly Navies, who's coming from the Smithsonian Institute as part of the Black Appalachians panel, is an mm-hmm, oral historian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica Wilkerson, who's on our plenary, uh, who's on our uh, program committee and has organized some of the women and gender mm-hmm. and sexuality uh, parts of the conference, um, mm-hmm. is a, also a, a wonderful oral historian who's done a lot of work on um, women and feminism in the Appalachians. Wrapping up 
It, it sounds extraordinary. I mean, it sounds extremely interesting uh, for, for everyone. What is your, um, uh, you've worked tirelessly on this, as well as you give credit to your committee, and, and you've had a, a large committee, but when, when it says conference chair, uh, that, that it, it falls to you. Um, when you're totally exhausted and, and wake up from a, a, a long nap, <laughs> I'm looking forward to long naps in April. <laughs> what is your What is your dream? What is your hope uh, that the outcome will be for for students, for scholars, for members of the public who have an interest uh, to come and observe what's going on? What a great question, Bill. Thank you for the opportunity to think about that. I think I've been going hard and not having yeah. very many naps and haven't really thought about the big picture, but. Definitely, as uh, my colleague Shauna Scott said, uh, Lexington is not in the Appalachians, but the Appalachians are in Lexington. Mm. And uh, one form that that takes is our students, and our both our undergraduates and graduates have been really important parts of uh, planning and implementing this conference. And I think uh, I love to think of them uh, having this immersive experience here in their on their own home campus that gets at the richness and complexity of the Appalachian region. And I think for those of our students who are from the Appalachian region, that will help them understand uh, their own communities better. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I teach a lot of students who tell me that they're from Eastern Kentucky, they're concerned about their home communities, they want to make a difference in those communities, and I think that this, this conference, I hope, will help support them as they think about how to do that. For people who are not from the Appalachians, I, I want the conference, and I, I'm proud of the way this conference will, I think, highlight the great diversity and uh, of the Appalachians. One of the problems is the region has been subject to stereotypes for over a century and a half, and uh, it's very difficult to unseat those stereotypes. Um, this conference is celebrating the realities of the Appalachian region, which are much more like the forests, like the forest understories. They're much more complex, they're richer, more vibrant uh, than one can realize if all one sees is the surface, which is too often a stereotyped surface. Well, Kathy Newfont, uh, who is uh, Associate Professor of History at the University and, and a Conference Chair for ASA, uh, Appalachian Studies Conference, uh, coming to uh, Lexington and Kentucky, really, because you're not going to just be in, in Lexington on March 12th. Um, we can only say uh, good luck. It sounds like the planning stage it has been extraordinary and you've done and your committee uh, such a good job it it's it's pretty exciting as you said it gives you some chill bumps on on some of the things that that will happen so yes absolutely i think all of our plenary sessions are going to be amazing in the opening and closing ceremonies in the cornbread and tortillas event and then many of that that's not even the concurrent sessions which we we will have I don't even know my my wonderful colleague. I have to mention Jennifer Kramer's name, who's the program chair, mm-hmm. and um, she and uh, Catherine Engel, who is the associate director of the Appalachian Center, Emma Kaiser, who has been a research assistant and a project manager for the whole thing, and Jane Jensen over in education, who's been in charge of local arrangements. That core team plus our broader program committee has just done remarkable work, and I'm very proud to be 
part of them. And it, it is going to be a wonderful feast and festival. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it, Bill. Well, thank you for being here. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.